Bibles this morning to the 29th Psalm and the second verse. You know, the, the preacher can't satisfy everyone, and a lot of times the preacher's not satisfied with himself after he preaches a sermon. You know, you, you want to make the sermon easy, easy to understand. And, and so sometimes the preacher can finish and feel, feel like he accomplished that. But it's kind of like, was that just like a light devotion? Was there enough meat there? Was there something to grab hold of and for the people to have? And then there are other times when, when you're just trying to explain uh, an eight-sermon series in one sermon, and it's just too much to absorb. And, and so that's just things that the preacher thinks about. And I, I lean toward the latter end this morning, maybe, uh, I hope it goes well. I hope that we can, can really help to understand, be helped to understand a characteristic of our God this morning. You know, we're not going to be able to fully appreciate the characteristics of God completely until we get to heaven. We're... We're not going to just come to that full knowledge of it all until we're in glory. We're not going to be able to, to capture or grasp the, the full explanation of everything to do with God, His, His values, His attributes, while we're here upon this earth. And I would say especially for the one we're going to share this morning. And that is the holiness of God. When you think about God, do you think about this characteristic in Him? Who He is, what He is. God is holy. It's, it's holiness of God that we're going to look at this morning. And it really stands apart from the rest of the characteristics of God. It is very unique. His, he's, it's unapproachable, His holiness is. It's incomprehensible. It's unattainable. And, and most of us, I don't think we help ourselves sometimes in how much more we could know of God's holiness. We don't pursue that knowledge, it may be, Many times we don't think about it much or meditate on it too much for the norm, for the average. I might be able to say that. There, there was a, a, a preacher, a Philadelphia preacher, and he was speaking to a discipleship group. And I don't know if these groups were in their beginning stages or if they were maturing and growing as disciples. We're all called to be disciples of the Lord, learners of the Lord. And, and so this preacher was preaching to a group and he asked them the question, I want you to list for me the characteristics of God and I want you to do it in the order that you believe you know best of His most important characteristics to none of them would are, are least, but you know what I mean, to the least. 
and they went to do so. It reminds me of one time when I had a job interview about 20 years ago, and, and I had already heard that the owner of this company was a, was a billionaire, and this is just one little branch company of his that he's playing with, but I'm interviewing with this man, so I'm, al I'm already nervous. And I sat down, and he says, and it's for a salesman position, and so I guess he just wants to hear uh, some kind of speaking ability or, or get, a, get a feel of how good I might be in that area at the time. And he asked me to list the most important things in my life, and I want you to go from the most important to the least important. And I walked away from that interview and I was so nervous, it was a ridiculous order that I put things in. And I'm driving down the road going, why, why am I talking about my first car? Why did I put my first car, my Camaro in there? I, I, at least I put it last, but what did you do that for? You bombed that. I, uh, I actually got the job, not, not because of what I did, because of who I knew. Sometimes it's who you know. And uh, that's how that happened. And, and maybe you can give me a break on not having things in order of importance on the spot in my life when I'm completely nervous and it's in the natural realm and I'm standing here and I'm shocked by the question and it's something that though we think about the important things in our life, we don't sit and we and try to put them in order like that. And, and so maybe you can give me a break. But when it comes to a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, His children, we ought to be able to do good in putting His characteristics in order, His attributes in order of what's most important. You know, I, I, I asked a group one time. It wasn't in church, but I was preaching to a group, and I asked them, tell me in order the important attributes of the Lord. Start with the most important. And somebody Spit out, God is love. And when this preacher asked this group, the same thing was first. The number one attribute mentioned was love. The second was wisdom, then power, then mercy, then omniscience, then truth. And the last one that was mentioned was holiness. Holiness came in the end of important attributes of the Lord. You know, the Bible actually refers to God's holiness more than any other characteristic of Himself some 900 times in the Bible. And so maybe where it says holy, 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 maybe we're giving Him three there. But look, it's, it's mentioned more than any other by a long shot. But most people, you know, we have a temptation just to prefer those things that we think about daily that benefit us. I mean, who doesn't love to think about God's mercy? We don't get what we deserve. You know, we deserve punishment for our sins, but we don't get it. Praise the Lord for His mercy. I love to talk about that. I'd, I'd like to preach about that one this morning. Or how about God's grace? We do get what we don't deserve. 
He has gifted us with eternal life through His Son. He gave His Son as a gift for you and I. He gives us what we don't deserve, and it's very good. Man, let's talk about that all day. Or, or how about His love? It's, I love to consider how I'm loved by the Lord. You love to know that you are loved by Jesus. I mean, God loves us so much that that's why His Son sacrificed for us. It was love that took Him to the cross. And He did that for us. How about the fact that, that we know that we are loved and we can't do anything to be loved any less by God? It's not conditional. I'm about to just go off there. I, I kind of want to, but, but, we're, but we're focused on His holiness this morning. Because what is the temptation of us? We are tempted to focus on uh, happiness more than holiness. But holiness is the most important attribute of God. We are encouraged by what God does for us. But how about being educated on, on what God is in His most important characteristic? We should place emphasis on God and His perfections. We should meditate on that. You know, we love blessings. We love the blessings of the Lord. He, gives, he, he showers us with blessings. He gives us more than we ever thought we would have. And it's okay to love our blessings. But let's not forget about the blesser. You know, the Lord wants us to love the blesser more than the blessings. Rather than focus on the blessings... Hey, let, let's take what this blessing is and let's give praise, honor, and glory to the blesser who gave it to us. You know, the arm of the Lord is powerful. His eye is all-knowing. He has bowels of mercy for us. His duration is, is eternal. And His holiness is His beauty. Look with me in the verse here that we're starting at this morning. The 29th Psalm and the second verse says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Can, can, you, can we express that by putting our hands together for a second before we continue? That we would give glory to God. I don't have a problem at all with putting my hands together as the Bible tells me to do and to think about my God and to give glory to Him by putting our hands together. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The psalmist says in the 103rd Psalm, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. The psalmist could have said, Bless His name. But the psalmist is thinking about the holiness of God. And he says, bless His holy name. In, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2, 
it, it, it speaks of the seraphims, and it says, above, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Oh, consider the majesty of God's holiness, how majestic He is in all of His holiness. Can we, can we think about that this morning? But, but in just trying to have one aim today, that, that we would think of his, his holiness and absorb His holiness more, leave here with it on our hearts, think of God, and may that be the first thing that comes to our hearts and minds. Let, let's try to gather some meaning of it here as we see that His holiness is majestic. He is worthy of glory because of His holiness. It's beautiful. Just, just consider the fact that, that His holiness is pure. Think, think of purity when you think of the Lord and His holiness. And in 1 John 1, 5 it says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. There is not one ounce of sin and corruption in God. And by the way, there is nothing and there is no one that can corrupt God. You, you can't taint God with sin in any way whatsoever. He is perfect in every sense of the word. God is holy. What does it mean that He's holy? Well, He's pure. He's not only pure, but He's righteous. Deuteronomy 32.4, it says, He is the rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. What God does is always right. Wow, how, how much does that help you and I? Because there are so many things about God. There are so many things that He does or that He allows that we do not understand. But can we know this morning that He's right? He's right in all that He does. We're not going to understand it, but it's right. You think about His Word and these people groups of the Old Testament and the command given to God's people to take out the entire people group, every one of them. But you can, but, and God has to be right in it. So you consider God's foreknowledge when He gave that command. You consider that, that He knew that this entire people group, they were not going to turn to God. We don't know that. We can't make that judgment of people. We can't ever say when someone's going to turn to the Lord or when they're not going to turn to the Lord. But God knew. And God commanded that to happen. And you think of little babies, you think of little toddlers and, and little kids who hadn't come to the knowledge of the Messiah, and, and you start to realize this is mercy. This is mercy for a people group full of children that Jesus has taken on to glory when He commands this. Look, we don't understand and can't absorb all that He does, but we know that He's right. God is perfectly righteous in everything that He does. It's not okay for us to be jealous. Jealous will tear our life up. 
jealousy is a, it's an, it's just a downright evil thing. But God, God is jealous. His word says he is jealous. And he's righteous in his jealousy, though. It's different. You know, for you and I to be angry, man, anger will take the wheel and just drive us right in the ditch and ruin our lives. But, but the anger of God, it, it's a holy anger. It's right. God is pure and God is righteous and very similar to righteous, God is just. Righteous and just, they go together to separate them, consider by the law. Righteousness is, is having the power to make the perfect law that God did. Justice having the power to administer justice to the one who breaks the law. In Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 5, I'm going to go to the end of the Old Testament here close, and it says, the just Lord is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgment to light. He faileth not. He's pure. He's righteous. He's just. How might we continue to absorb, to, to understand what it means that God is holy? Well, he's truthful. He's truthful. Numbers, in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? In God's holiness, he never contradicts himself. Every word that God says is true. He speaks no lies. He's never wrong, never wrong. In the middle of an excitable, aggressive conversation sometimes, my wife says, you're just not going to be wrong, are you? And in my stubbornness in the moment, my actions or my reaction is basically no. Let me go ahead and confess now that I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I'm wrong a lot. Did you hear it? I'm wrong. Don't faint. Don't pass out. I'm wrong. We all have that about us. We're, we're not like that. We're going to be wrong. But Almighty God, He is never wrong. So we hear a little bit here. We hear a little bit here that we might absorb and understand His holiness. But, but let's see it. Let's see His holiness. And we can do that by way of His works. The psalmist says, The Lord is righteous in all His ways. He is holy in all of His works. God created everything He created in the first six days. And then He looks on and He says, It's good. It is good. He is, he is holy in His works. It's good. We have some good cooks at the, at the Villas ministry. For many years, Joanne did the cooking. And Joanne could put beets and oranges in a bowl together. And I, can, I could sit there and eat them and go, 
Are you serious? What, what kind of magic stuff did she sprinkle on these? It's good. Everything Joanne made was good. Just, I mean, there was nothing. What you made? Now, now, Brother Ken, this is, it doesn't matter. Whatever you made, I'll eat it. It's good. Everything that, that God has done, it is good. It couldn't be any other way. We can see how holy the Lord is by way of His works. You think of Lucifer, Ezekiel 28, 15. It says, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Lucifer got messed up by sin. Adam got messed up by sin and has passed it all onto the entire human race. If anybody can't find any, reason, any need for a Savior in their life, if you can't see something that makes you fall short of God's glory, just look at Adam before it ever gets to you because he passed on that curse to us. Everyone needs Jesus. I mean, it, is, it, it messed up Lucifer, sin did. It messed up Adam. It messed up the entire human race. Sin spread all over, but not to God. God didn't get messed up by it. God didn't get touched by sin. We see in His works, His holiness. Also in His laws. Romans seven twelve says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandments holy, and just, and good. Oh, look at God's glorious, holy written word. And uh, there is no book like this. It, his word is so good. In the 19th Psalm, verses 7 through 9, listen to what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Look at His law. His law is holy. God's law, God's word it is a perfect standard. God's law, it is God in written form. And we can see His holiness by way of His law. He has given a perfect standard to live by because His holiness couldn't provide us with anything less than what's perfect. By the way, we'll get to this in the end. But God in His holiness can only accept what's perfect. We see the perfection of God in His law. I'll never forget the first time I read that the look of lust is adultery in the heart, that hatred is murder. Who's going to live up to that? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We see that by His law because His law is holy. And it's for our own good that, that we see God in His law for, for what it is. And we see His holiness. Peter quotes the Lord who says, Be ye holy 
for I am holy. You can liken holiness unto cleanliness. When you think of cleanliness, do you think about the, the hospital room? How about, how about the operating table? Man, there's more members that have had operations, surgeries, than they care to remember. I know. But one thing, one thing about that operating room is that they're trying to cleanse that room for every single speck of dust to be completely gone from that room. They strive for, for such a sterilized place for, to open up somebody's body and for this surgery to happen in their body. The doctors settle for nothing less than, than the, the, the cleanest possible atmosphere that they can possibly work in. Should it shock us that God, in His perfection, His, His desire, what agrees with God is a perfect atmosphere. The doctor wants the room sterilized. God wants the lives that He works in to be sterilized. We're a work in progress, don't get me wrong, but He's working us toward His holiness to live our lives by way of holiness. You think about the wineskin that transported the grape juice or, or water or whatever and the, the cleansing of that vessel for that to take place. And then, and then in 2 Timothy, it says something that we can relate to that somewhat. And, and in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21... It says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Praise the Lord for the work that He's doing in our lives and can do. And look, when we have our minds on His holiness, this character of God, that He is perfectly holy, look, we have hope that He can do it and that He is doing it in our lives. And He's helping us. You can see, we can see the holiness of God as we would look into His Word and, and, and picture this character in His hatred of sin. I go to the close to the end of the Old Testament again, and in Habakkuk 1.13, it says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the, the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? We see a hatred of sin from the Lord. And we also see his love of righteousness. Hebrews 1.9 says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. He hates sin. He loves righteousness. You know, and a person's nature is opposite of that. Many times what we should say, what we should do, we, we don't do. We don't do what we should. It's 
You know, we do what we want to do. But when we look to God and His holiness, we, we don't do what we want to do. And we do what we should do in Him. And when we do what we do to please God, no matter how much we have to resist our temptations, our feelings, and all of these things, we know that it's right. It's a miracle that we can please God, but we can. People don't like to hear the idea of a miracle in this day and time. But that's a miracle right there. When He takes a sinner and saves and cleanses a sinner, white as snow, as Sandy said in the song, and we're able to please Him. What a miracle that is. What a glorious miracle. What a blessed miracle that we're able to be a part of. To be interested in pleasing God, to be focused on His holiness helps us to do what is right. Right according to God. Not right according to what the world says. Not right according to what someone else says. Not it's okay according to what everyone else is doing. But right according to what God says. It's always right. When you go to His Word and you see what His Word says and you obey His Word, you know it's right. There's no second thought. There's no hymn hall. It's always right. He's holy. And He loves it when we obey Him and do so. How should we be affected by God's holiness this morning? Well, we, we shouldn't seek revenge is one thing. We will, in, in, in Romans chapter 12, I, got that, I have that pinned away, but I'm going to open it up. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt... Heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that is exactly opposite of what we feel like doing many times. But when we obey God and we do his will and we do his word, we're going to please God and we know it's going to be right. And let, that, let his righteousness overcome what we feel like doing. When we're affected by God's holiness, that's how we're going to do that. We're going to show him the highest respect when we consider His holiness. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5 says, And He said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. The effect of God's holiness, when that is our meditation, we're going to respect Him. We're going to desire to be like Him. Be ye holy, for I am holy. We're going to desire to be like Him. What is another effect as we might consider God's holiness? There might be someone here this morning who has never known the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the way you might be affected this morning by God's holiness is that you would be saved. Saved from your sins. I mentioned the cross 
And I mentioned his love that we see there. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has shown his love for us on the cross. But let us look at the cross in another way this morning. Let us consider how the perfect Son of God died there. Before He died there, He lived here. And He lived a perfect, holy life here. So, the only one who didn't have to pay for sin because He knew no sin went to the cross in our place. That satisfied the demand of God. That satisfied the justice of God because God set forth the penalty for sin. And, that, and that's death. And He set it forth for the human being, everyone in Adam, that's everyone. And He satisfied, Jesus satisfied God's holiness. He lived that perfect life and, and satisfied God's righteousness. That There are people in religion everywhere right now, maybe someone in this room thinking, you're going to live good enough and do good enough to obtain God. And the truth is, no one can satisfy God's righteousness. It's perfect righteousness. Did I mention earlier that hatred is considered murder? That's not just to, just to, to say... Look, look how low we come. In one sense it is, but in another sense it's just to tell us there, there's no way. There's no way to satisfy God's perfect standard. But Jesus did. And, and so you have the justice of God satisfied in that He died for us. But before that, the righteousness of God was satisfied by Jesus' perfect life. And He took that and went to the cross for you and I. And he didn't stay on that cross. He died, he was buried, and he was raised again. Will you look to the cross and see the holiness of God satisfied? I, I said what, what God always does, it's right. Why didn't he just save us? Why did he send his most prized, precious possession, his son that he would be bloodied and battered and beaten on a cross. Why didn't he just save us? Because he had to do what was right. He set forth the penalty of sin, and the penalty of sin had to be paid. And he set the penalty for man. Hallelujah, God became a man. He came among us, and he did what we couldn't do, in our place. Does any, is there anyone this morning who sees that the impossible satisfaction of the holiness of God from your life has been satisfied in place of you by the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Would you trust Him this morning? Would you believe on Jesus to save you from your sins?
trust Him to give you eternal life and become a child of God? What might happen in our lives as the children of God? Those of us, this is a message for the Christian here today too. What might happen greater in our lives if we could have a focus on what we see by the Bible is the most important characteristic of God, His holiness. Can we walk forward as His children every day, meditating on His holiness, and the words to us, Be ye holy, for He is holy. And praise the Lord, the fact that we can do that. We can do that in His strength, in His ability. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things, old things are passed away, and all things are become new. Not in our best ability, but that's what He does in our lives. He's in the transformation business to transform lives, to have lives of holiness live for Him. You can be a recipient of His holiness right now if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're going to bow to the Lord in a word of prayer, and it's going to be your time. Your time as you meditate on who God is in His holiness, and that you can come receive a holy God this morning as your Savior through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we bow before you again, and we come before a portion of your word that we think about you in, in maybe a way that we don't always think of you. We're so comforted and embraced by your love and your grace and your mercy. May we never forget that you are holy and what it took to satisfy your holiness for our sins to be paid for and what it is you are looking to conform us into, into the image of your dear Son, who is perfectly holy. We won't reach that in this life, Lord, we know. But we're thinking this morning on this work that you want to do in our lives. We're thinking on this attribute of yours and how holy you are. And we, we love you and we thank you for all that you are this morning. And we thank you that your holiness was satisfied and so it's right for you to receive anyone who will be willing to turn from their sins and to turn to Jesus Christ and receive Him as Lord and Savior. It's right for you to receive that one. You promised to receive that one. And we know you will because you do what's right in all things, in your holiness. And, and for all of these things we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone could please stand. This is your time with God.